Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Frame Skip. This time we're on episode 21. I'm surprised we made it this far, but I am your host for the evening, Austin Eller. I'm joined by the ladies' man, Elijah Steele. What's up, Elijah? Oh, nothing too much. How about you? Not a whole lot. Just, um, you know, same old stuff. Tired. The usual. Storming. Can't wait to go on vacation next week and never return. So... Where are you going? Going to Florida. Good old hey. COVID Central. But um, yeah, Andy's Andy's aunt owns a, a house down there and it's like on a private slip of land right on the beach. So it's oh, it's gonna be really nice. Wow, but that does sound nice. Go. Yeah, so we're planning on just chilling at the beach for a week and is your work making you quarantine so. for two weeks afterwards? No. No, actually. Oh, see, my, my work is if we go anywhere that's like one of the like the hot zones in the United States, ah. we have to come back. We're not allowed to come back to work for two weeks afterwards. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So don't come to Georgia because Georgia's probably one of those states. I don't know. But um, at this point, I think most states are one of those states. <laughs> but I'll, anyway, that's off topic. Seth, he's also here. What's up, Seth? What's up, brother? Well, you know, same thing. I just mentioned, but how are you? It's been a while since I've been on a show with you. Been a completely horrific week, actually. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I almost died uh, about a week ago. Actually, almost yeah. exactly a week ago. Uh, I hit a deer on the freeway, and there was an 18-wheeler behind me. I lost control of my car. Um, so that oh. sucked. The girl the girl I was seeing, me and her, uh, ended up ending things again. So that's like the fourth time this year that's happened. That sucks. Mm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, typical, typical yeah. nonsense. But th- th- those two things, uh, typically. Um, although I did figure out that I'm, I'm going to buy a Camaro this year. So that's pretty sweet. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to buy. What year are you thinking? Uh, 2014 and above. Okay. Cool. Yep. So that that's pretty sweet. Um, what else? That's it. Well, <laughs> I think it's been a pretty awful year for everyone. So I would yeah. I would hope that moving forward. You have something to look forward to. I'd say that Camaro's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah I, I am really looking forward to that because I was going to buy a uh, V6 mm-hmm. and then Pedro was just over at my house and he, he just left about a half hour ago, him and Watson. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I and Watson's the one told me to get a V6. And when we were all talking about it, Pedro's like, you going to get a V6 Camaro? <laughs> and I was like, I was thinking about it and he's like, oh, okay. Just, you know, that's that's super disappointing. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I guess I'm getting a V8. <laughs> I would totally get a V6 Camaro. Yeah, I yeah. can't do it. I can't do it anymore. The thing is, I mean, it, it also, like, how far do you drive to work every day? Less than a mile. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, you're fine. I was going to say, that's the one thing with the V8, obviously, is the gas mileage is, is not not good by comparison. I mean, that's but... not what I'm really worried about. What I'm really worried about is that it's ten grand more to get a V8. Yeah. True, true. It's a, that's quite a bit of money. It's quite a bit of money, but I can't be the guy that when I drive up and I'm like, hey, I got a Camaro. They're like, what's under the hood? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah it's a V6. And they're like, oh. Yeah. No. You know, I, like, I'm not going to I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to. I decided today I'm not going to buy a muscle car. It's a V6. I, I just I don't, I don't want that. The newer V6 muscle cars are super good. Yeah, I know. They have more say, power and more torque than the old than the V8s of like five years prior. Yeah, I know. But they're not V8s. Yeah, I, I totally wouldn't get a new V8 muscle car. No way. I'll get a, a V6. I'll get a six-cylinder 
every day of the week. I'll take the extra 100 horsepower. I'll take yeah. better gas mileage. Hey, well, man, no, hold up. <laughs> hold up. You're not buying a muscle car for gas mileage, bro. If I'm driving <laughs> 35 to 40 miles a day to work, yes, I am. That's why That's why I'm keeping my fir- my car that I have now. Yeah. Uh, and, like, like uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive the car I have now through the winter, and then I'm going to keep my, my Camaro in the garage all winter. I totally would do the same, which yeah. still has me driving to work 30 to 40 miles every day. I mean, I'm not, I ain't driving my muscle car 40 miles a day. It's well, going to it's going to be my all the time car. No, I I, I actually uh, I'm looking at in a year or two getting a 2013 2014 Mustang V6. You've been saying that since 2012. Yes, I have. But that was because they were new cars and I was not going to pay for a new Mustang. Now you can get them for like 11,000 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, my uh, one of my really good friends, he actually just like totaled his his Mustang on his birthday last year. Actually, it was Oof. crazy. Um, but some lady like pulled out in front of him. Um, I she like just missed the stop sign. I guess didn't even see it and just drove straight through it. Yep, gotta have um, that comprehensive that comprehensive coverage. Yeah. Just found that out. Yeah. So and, uh, um, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm paying for all my body repairs out of pocket right now. Oh man. Ugh. Oof. Yeah. Dude, I'll I've be never, honest. Never hitting a deer. My Suzuki. Uh, uh, right five. now, I'm just driving a Suzuki Grand Vitar. Like it, 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 it's a, it's your basic mini mm-hmm. SUV. Not mini, but like um, smaller SUV, right? Yeah. Not made of much, just plastic and like, you know, there's a small frame on it. It held up so well when I hit this deer because normally when you see like deer accidents, that car is messed up. Like like we're talking about you know, 250 pound deer. It was big. Oh yeah. You know, normally, like, you, the, the car's completely ruined. It's total. The windshield smashed. I got off so lucky, dude. Like, I hit that deer's shoulder, and it spun out on, on the left side of my, my, my car. If mm. I had been a millisecond slower, I would have hit that deer straight on. Yeah. My car probably would have been totaled. I would have ran over it. I probably would have lost control and probably gotten run over by an 18-wheeler that was behind me. That's why I was well, saying, like, I almost died. Like, like there, when I hit that deer... Even though the weight of the deer hitting my the left side of my car caused me to lose control of the car, and I was able to regain control and pull off the exit to, see, to assess the damage, but mm-hmm. if I had not been able to regain control of my car, like the traction, I would have spun out, either rolled it, or the 18 wheeler behind me would have ran me over and killed me. All I can say is I'm glad you're safe, mm-hmm. and uh, that is probably, I would assume, one of the scariest things you've ever experienced in your life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, like hitting the de- hitting the deer w- wouldn't be that big of a deal. It was the tractor trailer behind me. I, I think I've hit like five deer in my life so far. Yeah, that was the first one I've hit on the freeway, though. I've hit I've hit deer on like back roads before, dude. Actually, I'll I'll go into the story. It's a really funny story. So, as you guys know, maybe you didn't know, we weren't recording the podcast at the time. Um, I used to drive a Cougar, like a, a Mercury. Oh Cougar. yeah, I remember that. They were kind of small, little quick cars. They weren't muscle cars or like really fast cars. They were they were a little quick. But I was mm-hmm. driving on the back road, and um, the steer popped out, and I just tapped, just tapped it right in its yeah. dome piece, right in its stupid head, and <laughs> and I, I I was like, oh crap, you know. So I I hit this deer, and I, I look at my rearview mirror, and its body is just laying in the middle of the road. So I'm like, ah, oh. all right. So I turn around, and I do like my daddy always taught me. I pull my knife out. I'm about to walk oh, up no. and just finish this thing, right? So I drive up. I, I turn around. I drive up to it. 
I have my my big old hunting knife in my hand. I don't go hunting, but I have a a, a nice mm-hmm. um, Gerber hunting knife. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking up to this deer, and on God, this deer wakes up and stands up and <laughs> stares at me. And Austin, when I tell you I crap my pants. <laughs> When this deer woke up in front of me, I mean, I crapped my pants. I was so scared. I like jumped back and I was about ready to stab this thing. I thought I was going to have a death match with this deer because what happened was, was I just knocked it out cold. Yeah. I thought I broke its neck and killed it or gave it severe brain trauma. And killed yeah. it. No, I just knocked this deer out cold going 40 miles an hour on a back road. Somehow this deer survived and I'm walking up to it, jumps up and stares at me. And I, and I mean, I'm not even... I'm not even three feet away from this deer when it does. Oh this. God! And it jumps up, and I, I, I went into fight or flight, and I almost fled. I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to fight this deer to the death now. That's how <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm gonna have to stab it and kill it, and I'm probably not gonna walk away unscathed. But it ran away, as it should have. It knew better. So, on the topic of fighting wild animals, I want to bring up a topic that has been, it's kind of taken over the. Um, sacred symbols podcast the yeah. last few weeks which is um do you think you could win a fight against a goose yeah oh, God. dude yeah i do like this topic yeah. is so absurd i would grab that stupid goose's <laughs> neck as it charged right? at me lift it over my head and smash it off the ground until it had severe <laughs> like like internal bleeding and kill it inside i, I Dude, a goose has the biggest exposed weakness you can possibly have in an animal, and it's its, it's whole big old neck is exposed. Use it as and a golf club. Yeah, I'm gonna grab that goose's neck with both hands, and I'm just gonna bite into it like a savage animal. I'm gonna rip its jugular out, and I'm gonna break its its upper spinal cord with my teeth, and that's over. It's over, man. I'm going full primate on this goose. It's over. So- Colin have, and Chris have had multiple people write in, and they're they've been like, "Oh yeah, geese are so dangerous and vicious." And no I'm like, "Way, dude!" They literally, I mean, and Colin's right, and he basically said what you said. I mean, the neck is literally the most exposed weakness of like any animal out there, I'd say. Dude, and the and and, and, and you know what? Here here's the the the, the honest to god situation we're dealing with right now is that. These people exist and survive because modern technology allows them to. Yeah. And if this was, you know, the way nature <laughs> was intended, they would have been eaten by lions already because they're 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 not strong enough to survive. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, the human race has evolved to take care of the evolutionary problem of survival of the fittest. So these people get to survive being eaten by gooses and whatnot. You know, <laughs> but but. You know the modern uh-huh. the, the the modern man that has survived all all these years that came from ancestors who built boats mm-hmm. and were descended from Vikings who used to raid villages. Yeah. We we don't care about these geese. We're yeah. coming at the, these the, geese with full force. The, the Vikings weren't deterred by geese. No, they were not deterred by geese. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I'm delivering a roundhouse kick right to this goose's <laughs> face when it charges at me. Now I don't know if you've ever seen a goose charge. But yeah. they, get, they do get a little scary. They flap their wings and they, yeah, they come they get at their you. Wings way out, no, yeah. dude, I am punting this goose so far. Like, I swear to God. <laughs> On God. And and now this is a throwback to the first T-ball episode that I had, which was mm-hmm. what, what was the largest animal you think you could fight? I said I could. Yeah. I, I, honest to God, think I could choke out a black bear. And then you know, we're talking uh, about the, the, the Northeastern okay. American black bears. Uh-huh. And now here's the thing. Is it stronger than me? Yeah. Is it faster than me? Yeah. 
Does it have giant fangs and claws? Yeah, it does. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Austin. These bears like to wrestle, all right? Yeah. These bears like to wrestle, but they're 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 unintelligent. I and and I'm telling it's you, like man, when, it's like when Thanos beat down the Hulk. Yeah. At the start exactly, of Infinity exactly. War. Exactly. I'm hitting a yeah. switch on this bear, and I'm taking its back, and I'm choking the life out of it. And it's not going to be an honorable battle. Like like yeah. I'm 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 taking my thumbs and I'm shoving it into this bear's eyes over and over again, and mm-hmm. I'm choking the life out of it. And then I'm going to take it back to my father, who's for the first time in his life going to be proud of me. And I'm going to uh-huh. say, Dad, I just Look killed this. I I, yeah, I just killed this bear with my bare hands. Like, are you finally proud of me? Have I earned your respect? And he's mm-hmm. going to say, yes, son. And I'm going to and, and I'm going to skin this bear. And I'm going to hang it above my my bed mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. I like it. Yes. Speaking That's- of bears, Seth, what have you been playing? I, 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 you know what he does a great transition um yeah uh, the only game i've been playing this week and i haven't had a whole lot of time to play because i've been just busy with, with other yeah. stuff um is ghost of shushima Go- mm-hmm. ghost of sushi sushima yes. sushima uh, austin uh you're the japanese major please pronounce that well tsushima is how you would say it I feel like I'm 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 like slurring it though. Like I feel like I'm adding an H in there. Sushima, mm. right? Sush, yeah. sush. Yeah, close enough. If for someone that doesn't know, the problem is that that beginning T S U sound. I don't think people understand su- how that works. Sush. I, I want to add an H it, in there. Like an it's S-H. like it's like su. Like you you like kind of do su. like a T sound while you say the S U. It's su. kind of yeah. Su. 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 Sushima. Yeah. Well, there's your Japanese lesson for the day. But uh, quick side note: uh, <laughs> watching Shin Godzilla the other day, they mentioned mm-hmm. the island of Tsushima in it. Oh, wow! I'm like, I'm like <laughs> game. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Let me just talk about Ghost of Tsushima. Lay it down, Seth. Let me just talk about Ghost for a second. I want to play this game so bad. I don't. <clears throat> um, the game's amazing. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out there. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out there. I'm gonna tell you right now, the game's amazing. It's really really. It's really, really good. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm running through. I'm icing all these Mongols. I'm driving yeah. them out of my island. All right. The story, top notch. Classic yeah. Japanese warrior tale. You're getting invaded by the Mongols. You got 60 Japanese samurai died honorably on the beaches of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. Died honorably on the beaches. All right. Your uncle, he's kidnapped. You're building oh. an army of the Ronin samurai. To go back and fight against the Mongols. Wow. You're building your skills. You're getting stronger every day. Every battle. <laughs> all right? Uh-huh. I got these kunai now. And these explosive sticky bombs that I'm throwing at these Mongols. I'm coming at them. All right? Mm-hmm. I'm liberating the villages. I'm saving the villagers. I'm the hero of the island. And I'm taking my samurai sword. And I'm learning the new powerful skills. Sort, mm-hmm. Such as the heavenly strike. And the and ah. the, the one draw... I forget that you need you need YouTube whatever I talked about it last episode I was yeah on. yeah and I'm having a blast and here's the thing that I will say about this game first off and foremost or, I mean not first off I've already talked about a lot of it but <laughs> it's probably the most beautiful video game world that's ever been created hands down I mean like like I I can't think of a single video game world that's been created that looks more graphically appealing than this game yeah. and in, in 
here's the other thing that's amazing about it is that they did it in an extremely optimized way so the game loads extremely fast. And this only becomes clear because, like, you know how my brain works. Like, I'm always interested in, in like, I see I see a game that looks this beautiful and runs this fast. And I'm like, why does it run this fast? Well, when you look at the actual textures of the things that make the game look amazing, yeah, they're not great. Yeah. Like, the, like, the leaves and the grass and whatnot, they're, they're pretty bare bones. But it's the lighting system in this game that makes mm-hmm. it so that you don't even notice it. The lighting system in this game is so amazing that the game looks amazing. And that, yeah, I was going to say, that's what I've heard is that the actual textures and honestly, even the graphics are not like crazy, but it's like the style of mm-hmm. the game. And like the, like you said, the lighting that makes it look just phenomenal. And I've always thought it, it has looked so, so, so good. So it does. It, it looks incredible. It looks incredible. Yeah. When, you're, when you're riding through and you're riding through these giant fields of flowers and whatnot, you're just like, wow, this is really pretty. I'm really enjoying yeah. this. Um, the combat. Incredible. It's uh very refined mm-hmm. and fun and and pow- you feel powerful when you're when you're wielding your blade there's different styles you can switch to for different enemies yep you have to be tactical or else you will be removed from this, the face of the earth <laughs> <laughs> it will send your soul to the mortal world. and what i really love about it dude is that like when you lose all your hp that's not the end right mm-hmm. when you lose all your hp and you can't recover because you don't have enough um I forget that it, 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 there's there's a, there's a there's a resource that you build up through combat, but if you have enough of it, you can recover. But if you don't, it's not like you just like go to zero HP and, and it, it's yeah. game over. What'll ha- what'll happen is is that you lose and you're already mad enough. Like like ah, I, you know, crap. I just got I just got beat. And then the NPCs that beat you will walk over <laughs> and they'll perform like a finishing move on you. Like they'll take their giant club or axe or sword and just hit you in the in the back of the head. And I'm like, ah, got to rub it in. But no. And you know, you know what I heard about that, by the way? And I don't know if you know this, but apparently that is a disguise for a loading screen. Huh? Really? Yeah. That's how they load you back in so quick after it was what I was reading was that that whole segment at the end, it's literally loading you like restarting essentially. God, that's so so impressive. Dude, Sucker Punch Punch came onto something really impressive with this game. And I'm I'm telling you, man, it's really, really good. Like. It's really amazing. I'm walking around like there's always something to do. And that that's that's kind of where I'm at with Ghost of Tsushima. Like I'm not in any rush to beat it. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Like 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 the story is amazing, but I'm not it's not it's it's not gripped me enough to where I, I, I need to like push through it. It's everything that you do in the game has mm-hmm. purpose behind it. And it's especially interesting to me because of, of being a martial artist that when I'm going from point A to point B. I'm choosing to go the slowest way possible and hit all the waypoints on the way there because it's like, oh, okay, there's a shrine that I'll go up that I'll pray at mm-hmm. and I'll get like a charm or something. But on the way to that, oh, well, while I'm climbing the shrine, there'll be like a really pretty um, point of view that I can take a screenshot of and, and see, see the rest of the island or I'll, I'll see a fox on the way to you know point B and that fox will lead me to a fox den. And mm-hmm. I, I can pray at the fox then and I'll unlock a, a fast travel point, but you know, and pet the fox and or maybe there's a mo- Mongols like like holding someone hostage they're about to execute and I'll save them. The the whole world that they built it feels really, really deep and it feels alive and it feels like you're actually fighting against this 
massive, massive threat in the Mongols because you really are the last true samurai on this island and, you, and you're mm-hmm. fighting for your people. And you, you feel that in the game. And I think that that's one of the things that like a lot of games miss. Like, for instance, I, I will always say I think The Witcher is the best game of this generation. The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the most well-crafted RPG. I think, I think it's, it's, it's incredible, right? But when you're riding around as Geralt, there's really no urgency, right? Yeah. Like, one of the things that I think the game falters within The Witcher 3 is that the themes don't connect. You've got this massive Nilfgaardian war going on. And Geralt is a, a very central player in this Nilfgaardian war with Ciri. And he's searching for his his uh, pseudo-daughter, right? Mm-hmm. But then he's like, ah, I'm going to roll into this town. And I'll like talk to some of the villagers. And I'll you know, perform. I'll do some monster contracts. And maybe I'll, I'll you know, sleep with some of these some of these feisty women. But with mm-hmm. Tsushima, everything you do in that game is about being a samurai and and and, and reclaiming your homeland to fight against the Mongol threat. There's no frill like there is with most most open world games. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So I, I want to make sure because like nothing nothing I do in Ghost of Tsushima feels like it's a side quest. It feels like the it feels like it's all part of the journey because as you guys know, like 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 being a martial artist isn't just about combat. It's about a way of life. Yeah. So this this game really encompasses what it's what it's like to be a samurai in the 15th century with the Mongols invading. It's not all constantly chasing down the next threat. It's not it's not about going from battle to battle or you know point A to point B or the next story B. It's about mm-hmm. like oh okay like here's a shrine. I'll 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 meditate at the shrine to to re, you know realign myself with my my chi or my my center and yeah. It's it, I think it's the strongest part of that game, which is just. Okay, I have, you know, all this stuff to do, and it all aligns with the center central plot of the game, the central focus of the game, which is being a samurai in 15th century Japan. And I think that that's the strongest selling point of the game. I think it's I think I think they've done an excellent job. Sucker Punch is something really amazing. And by the way, before before we move on, I just want to call out something that I've seen on the internet real quick because it really really annoys me. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. But the, um, I think it's one of the directors for Yakuza, the Yakuza series. Yes. From Sega. Oh yeah. Oh, he came God, out and said, stupid interview. yes, he came out and said, Ghost of Tsushima is amazing. It should have been made by Japanese people. Now, a bunch of websites are picking this interview up and using it as clickbait yeah. yep. because of, a, of, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, cultural appropriation. They're, they're, they're framing it as cultural appropriation. Yeah. yeah. It's not. The guy said it out of 100% respect. Yeah. And yeah, if you really actually sit down and read that interview, like that statement, that the fact that that has been shared so many times is like infuriating yeah, because it's, it's not like he thinks Japanese people should make it. It, it was like a, it was like a he like the fact that it's not made by it, it's made by people who are respecting Japan that much yeah. to make it that true to form and everything. That's what he's saying. Exactly. That, that really really annoys me, man. That like it's it. No, Austin, you can probably speak to this more than I have because you have a journalism degree. But like, wouldn't, wouldn't that be considered some sort of like journalist integrity? Some some sort of oh like, well, I mean, that would be literally ethics. yeah. We have a code of ethics, and that would break it. I mean that that is not you're taking something out of context, and I mean you're changing the meaning. If you change the meaning of anything that you're reporting on, you're breaking the ethics. Like that's you know like. 
a quote like that, and I, I get that it's translated. Like, I know that can be a little tricky, but the, at the end of the day, like, that should have never been taken in that context and shared so many times. And no, reading that over this last like week and a half, two weeks has been just so frustrating. It's been shared me. over and over again, man. And yeah. I have not seen an uproar over it. Like, people want to yeah. talk about Gamergate in 20, I think it was like 2016, right? About like, you know, like the, the on, on, uh, it was 2016, right? It was 20, somewhere around 2015. There. About like yeah. unethical journalism. Well, mm-hmm. this is one of the, the most blatant examples of unethical journalism from games media I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And no one is like up in arms about it. No one's nope. criticizing IGN for doing this. And I'm just like, this is this is a complete massacre to what this man's saying. Like, you, you're completely taking his interview out of context. If I was this guy and I saw the IGN did this, I would never, ever have anything to do with him ever again. Like, like that is so infuriating, man. Mm-hmm. Because they're, because they're they're just feeding the narrative that like this is cultural appropriation. It's not. It's all out of respect. And this game gets so much right about Japanese culture from the 15th century. And, well, and, and it's it's one of the only games that scored a perfect score from Famitsu. From the I was going to say that's games. that's what I was going to say was apparently like Japan freaking loves this game. Yeah, like yeah. I've heard so many reports about like how well it's it sold, sold out over there. Yeah, and like how people feel about it like it, it supposedly they think it's phenomenal so like if the own their own country the the country that this game is about if those people love this game i mean obviously i wouldn't say it's any sense of appropriation or anything obviously like uh sucker punch really did a good job representing that culture and and everything so well that um, reminds me of like when they were making the ghost in the shell movie yeah. and scarlett johansson got cast as major and yeah. everyone's like why that's not right and the creator of ghost in the shell is like that's a great casting choice i love it yeah and supposedly yeah. <laughs> a lot of people love that movie well because I, i've never watched or read ghost in the shell but I, I do believe that the she's an android right yeah she's an android and she shapeshifts in in into the series to look more western yeah if i if i remember correctly and the, that, the girl no, that, that she correct. shapeshifts into looks a lot like scarlett johansson yeah yeah she like looks very western like watching the anime after watching the live action movie, I'm just like, yeah, I just see Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, dude. I mean, come on, like you, like pick your battles. You know, like not everything has to be an outrage. That's just that's just the way I yeah. view it, man. Like, like if you if you if you want to freak out about stuff online, make sure it's worth it. Because if it's not worth it, then you're just hurting your own objective. I can't think of yeah. the words right now. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if you freak out about small stuff that like is easily disproven, you're only hurting yourself. And IGN, I think, made a massive, massive mistake well, going forward. And and all the, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, here's what I'll say, at least about IGN specifically. And like, I'm not calling out people that work there necessarily. Like, I don't really follow IGN. I haven't in years, but I will say, like, as a journalist, the thing about me. The thing that really bugs me logging on to IGN, they're saying they're like a, you know, a games media, games journalism site. You log on there and half of their front page is like advertisements that they themselves have written. Yep. Or like things where they're like, oh, yeah, this is on sale. And like, obviously, all those those links for things on sale gives them money like the, that right. really bothers me. Like it, there's no real journalism at that website anymore. I feel like personally, I feel like it's more of a. Oh look! Here's all this clickbait. Also, here's something on sale that if you buy it, we make money from it, and all these ads and free what? things that we've gotten from devs, and like, it's just too much. 
So it's a, it's a slow it's a slow news week anyway. So I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. use this as my topic. But like, yeah, what when do you guys think IGN the journalism aspect of IGN died? Because I would say it was probably when Colin left. I, I mean, I can't think of a single journalist after Colin that was really diving at IGN for stories. Like like Colin wrote the history yeah. of Sucker Punch and Naughty Dog, yeah. and that, that was like their deep journalism pieces. But after that, it all turned into what you're talking about, Austin, which is just this nonsense and like like i said the other week when i was hosting and it it was me elijah and george i tried to find news and i went to ign like we used to when we had rnm and i was like i can't find a single thing on this website that is worth reading and i don't understand how they're operating and and now i saw they're doing like ign prime which is like oh yeah i saw that service and i'm like you guys are out of control to think that i would give you five dollars a month for, for the services you're offering. You don't offer any good services at this point. I think, I mean, for me, um, Ryan McCaffrey, you know, still writes sometimes. I feel like he's kind of the only one there that I'd say is is one that kind of focuses on doing kind of journalistic pieces. But I'd, I'd say for sure, like the second, um, not that Greg really did anything, but certainly Colin, like obviously Colin was writing a lot and stuff still when they left. Greg was more personality based but i'd even argue that up at noon when greg was hosting it i would argue that's a piece of games journalism i mean he had like devs on like Mm -hmm. pretty much every week and they would have big like 15 minute interviews on up at noon true um and for me i'd i'd say that's certainly journalism even though it's not you know a a huge flowing written piece um all right yeah so like i'm looking at ryan mccaffrey's igm profile you're right he does put out some stuff mm -hmm. like why there won't be a halo infinite 2 a lot of because he's the he's the uh xbox he's the xbox guy yeah yeah, yeah. so that makes sense um and he's been in the industry for a long time i mean he's he's been working i want to say since like the xbox launch the original xbox uh, so yeah i want to say he was was he at official xbox magazine i want to say so yeah if i remember correctly. i remember we had him on the old podcast and uh, yeah. i couldn't make it that week for some reason it was a good show yeah it was a good show he was a really good good guy to talk to but yeah i don't um, know man like <sighs> And there's there's obviously a problem at IGN too, where they're either not paying enough or they're not promoting enough or something, because everybody that works at IGN that gets any sort of status leaves, and that's been going on for years now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I I think the interesting thing is, for one, IGN is still considered, I guess, like the the highest, you know, the the top of the line, like games website, like it's the most famous one, and everyone knows ign um but the thing is like there i there are much better websites out there if you're really looking for gaming news i mean i like i said off the air i pretty much only use Eurogamer when i'm looking for news because they don't have all this these ads and you know things that i would say as a journalist myself are unethical to display half of your your website as um yeah. kind of paid ads and things like that but um Eurogamer is just pure news. Like I go on there, there's no op-eds, which not that there's anything wrong with op-eds, but sometimes they can be a little too much. Um, but I go on there and I and I find news. That's what I see. And um, I just think it's weird to me, at least, that IGN is still like something people care about. I don't, I don't know if that's something I'm imagining, but as a journalist, like I said, I really don't feel like IGN has been a journalism website for the last... I'd say almost 10 years. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. I agree with that. I mean, because like I, I was while we were talking about that, I was browsing through their site, and I'm just like, God, this is just terrible. This is awful. And I'll be honest, man, I don't think it's long for until because I don't know anybody that actually goes to IGN, yeah, and goes to their website and looks through it. Like I, I don't know a single person that does that. All I know is that they have a huge following online and that people will click on their articles when they want something to read through Twitter or, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But yeah, I don't, like I I said, don't know I'm not long for this world. Like I said, I'm not like bashing the people that work there. I know there are real journalists that work there. It's just kind of the way that website is set up. It just doesn't work. And, um, you know, I don't know how the management is now, but you look back a few years when. Um, and Seth, you might remember this, but when Philip was hired there, the, the Nintendo guy, he was like a YouTuber and they hired him. He had no journalism background at all. He was just this pure YouTuber. They hired him. He came on, he plagiarized multiple people's reviews while he was at IGN. Yeah. So IGN, this guy that they hired plagiarized a bunch of people's reviews and posted them on the world's largest video game website. Like, I, you know, I just don't, how does that slip through? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but. I'm not sure if you listened. I, I can't remember if it was a Sacred Symbols Plus or Sacred Symbols. When Colin brought this topic up recently, or a fan did to Colin. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how angry he would have been if yeah. he was at IGN at the time. Because it just brings everyone's credibility down. Yep. Like, you have to ask yourself, legitimately, when, when that sort of thing happens, how did they not catch this? You know? Yep. And... I saw that that dude came back. Philip came back and he put his Dead Cells review out not that long ago again. Yeah. And it's like, are, are, you, are you just being cheeky? Are you like trying to play the villain? What, what's your what's, what's your stance here? Because you're trying to play the villain. I can kind of respect that, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, if you want to be like, the, like the, 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 the villain of video games journalism. Like, I can kind of get behind that. But don't try and like cement your place again as like an ethical journalist because it's never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, like I said, I, I trying to kind of walk a fine line here. Cause as a journalist, like I said, it's just a, it's a weird place. But what I will tell you is that I feel like this is so prominent in games journalism, but what I have noticed is that tech journalism, it's almost the opposite. Like you go to yeah. the verge or wired, like they are so well-known and so professional uh, on mm-hmm. those websites and publications and, I just feel like there's not really such a thing with games anymore, and it's it sucks. It's very strange because, uh, for instance, what what are those people that do? Oh, Digital Foundry. Oh, yeah, that do the they're a part of Eurogamer. Yeah, that does the in depth yeah. analysis of of games and frame rates and, and hardware. They're a really incredible um, company, man. And yeah. like like the stuff they dive into is really insane, and they're they're very well respected. Um, like, I think if I remember correctly, like Sony sent them the PS5. Or like, like 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 a demo of the PS5 or a dev kit or something like that, like months ago, and they were they yeah. were going over it, and and like did, 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 they uh, they did the Spider Man preview, mm-hmm. and showed yep. how fast Spider Man loads and whatnot. That's that that means something, you know. And I just feel like you know maybe back in the day when we first started doing the podcast, IGN caught a whole bunch of crap they probably didn't deserve back then, right? Because they were oh, they, yeah. they were just kind of the cool guys to hate on, but now. I just can't, I can't get behind a man, like, especially, and especially like this week when, when they posted that Ghost of Tsushima article and I was just like, God, you guys, like, this is a really scummy thing to do, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm just not behind it at all. So I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to see what happens moving forward. I think, like I said, there's places that are hit or miss. And like like I said, with Digital Foundry, I mean, they're they're a part of Eurogamer. That's that's why I really do trust Eurogamer. I, I feel like I can log on there and trust what I'm reading. And I really don't feel that with IGN. Um, I mean, everything. Yeah. I know it's so cliche, but everything feels bought out on right. that website. And um, I, mean, I, I don't know I, if that's it's, the it's, truth, but I don't yeah. like that feeling. Well, it's important to, 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 to say, I think, on the podcast, to be fair, we don't necessarily think that reviews are being bought. No, absolutely money. not. But it's just it's 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 the giant monetization of that website that we're yep. talking about right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, that website at this point is more set up to make money than to report accurately and give you know f- the fans of IGN good content right. and things of that sort. Personally, right. But anyway, that's a. Huge can of worms we just opened up, but I thought that was a good conversation to have. That's um, important to talk about. But Elijah, if you want to talk about anything you've been playing, you can. Um, uh, I do. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I've been playing two games, Fairy Tale and Code Vein. Um, wow. Please fairy... give me your opinions on Fairy Tale. I want to hear. Yeah, that. I want to so, know too because I'm really curious. Fairy Tale, uh, based on the anime, is a, a classic turn-based RPG, but. The battles are a little different. I'll get to that in a moment. So it takes place during the magical games arc and then the arc right afterwards, which is like very far ahead in the show. And I'm not even I'm remotely sorry, near I, there. I don't mean to interrupt you. I believe it takes place right before the magic games arc. No, like I'm in the magic games right now. Okay. That's not how I, I understood from the trailers and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in part. Well, cause like, cause like I, well, I'm sorry. I thought the whole premise of like the first part of the game was rebuilding fairy tale. I'm still rebuilding fairy tale, but you're in the middle of the magic games. Yes. Okay. Uh, um, I don't remember enough. <laughs> so, well, because, because remember the, on Tenro Island, they disappeared for seven years. When they yeah. That was out. the, oh, okay. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure if that happened, like if that was what happened in the show or not, or if that was just that, that's how it gives in the game. Oh, they're at level one again because yeah, they, so, they disappeared uh, for I seven see. years and they didn't know it was seven years. It, it just happened okay. to be that. And that's how they're yeah. so weak. Again. Yeah. And there was, there was a two year layoff in between the Tenro Island arc when they came back where they were training for the magic games and then the magic games happened, but they rebuilt fairy tale in between that time before the magic games, which is why I'm so confused. So the game, the game must be taking the story in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah, it, it sounds that way. Because like, um, fairy tale, like they bring back the guild again, but essentially they're building it back up to its former self. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I haven't gotten to this point in the show, so I wasn't sure how much was just part of the game and part of the main. The story is done in corroboration with the creator of the series, mm-hmm. so like to make it as almost canon as possible but anyhow it is a turn-based rpg you'll go take requests go out some of the requests are very basic slay 10 flutterers but then some of the quests are even more basic so you're you're rising in the guild ranks like i'm b right now i'm rank b and Mm -hmm. you'll get this request slay 10 of this creature and five of this creature i'm like oh i I don't know if I'll be able to do that in one way through. Like I might run out of MP or whatever, and I might have to come like come back and heal first. And then you'll get a re- another request, same rank, 
get the same amount of money, same amount of uh, like ranking for your for the guild. Find a book, and you'll go talk to someone. And hey, do you have this book? Yeah, but I need you to find this item for me. Oh, hmm. I have the item in my inventory already. Hand him the item, which is a very basic item. All right, mm-hmm. cool, thanks. And it just got me the same amount of money and renown for the guild as that one for slaying 15 creatures. Um, mm-hmm. So the quests are kind of offset in a not great way. Um, the battling is fine. Uh, leveling up happens. Even if characters aren't in your party, they get 50% of the experience that you're getting. That's always so, a plus for me. So, yeah, same here. Um, so they're still leveling up, just not the same rate. Um uh, then you can do bonds with, with each character where you don't... So, like, Natsu, who's the main character of the show, he doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be in your party. Like, he can be in your party... Oh, really? 10% of the time. Wow. Um, it, it all depends. Like, is he required for that uh, mission? No? All right. He, you can have your party be Urza, Lucy, Gray, and Wendy. That's or, really cool. Um, there are a bunch of uh, playable characters. I haven't even gotten all the playable characters yet. Um, so it's really hard to describe this game at times because if you like fairy tale, you, you would enjoy this game. But even if you like fairy tale, I'm not going to say it's a great game. Like I am thoroughly enjoying yeah. it. I'm loving my time with it. I'm not going to say it's a great game. Uh, the quests, like I said, can be super easy. Battling is fun where battles take place on, like, a grid system. It's still turn-based, but the enemies are on a grid, like a three-by-three grid, and Mm. each attack, like, does a certain square pattern, whether it be one square, another attack might be, like, a T, or another one, the bottom two rows, if it's, like, a more powerful attack, stuff like that. And sometimes even battles later in the game are super easy, and it does the one game trope that I'm not a big fan of where, oh, I'm really crushing it on this boss. And then you you win. You win that fight. Single-handedly win the fight super easily. And then it comes up with the cutscene. You're all beaten up and laying on the ground. <laughs> and, like, you can't move. And the enemy's still walking right towards you. And I'm like, I just crushed this person <laughs> in this fight. And now I'm like lying here like i completely lost um so i'm not not a big fan of that trope in games i i'm enjoying my time with it it it's hard for me to recommend unless you're a fan of fairy tale which i have become one recently i'm on like episode 15 but i absolutely love the show uh so it It only gets better from there to be honest with you yeah and that's what i heard yeah Um, i mean like, like like fairy tale fairy tale is a really really special anime i'm really glad austin convinced me to watch it and I'm a little disappointed that you're playing the game right now because it's going to spoil a whole lot of stuff for you. Um, See, in that, in that it arc. will, but like I said, I'm curious what is going to be different between the game and the show. So I'm not sure. Like I said, I the whole like being at Tenro Island thing, I didn't know if that was actually in the show or not. Like, I I thought that was like made up for the game. No, it's a, sure. it's a huge it's a huge um, plot point in the show. Um, yeah, it, it's a fun game. I. Like I said, unless you're a fairy tale fan, I can't recommend picking it up yet. When it's cheaper, like at forty bucks, even I'd say, all right, yeah, that, that's worth it. But it, 
there's just a lot of easy quests and such. But the big one I want to talk about is I've been playing Code Vein, which is anime Dark Souls. Yeah, this game always looks super interesting to me. I'm loving it. It is super good. Super fun. It I find it a little easier and harder than Dark Souls. Like, the section where I just was, I've had someone with me in the game for a little bit. And unless he's busy, like, maybe he's being attacked or he's in the middle of an attack or something. If you happen to die, he will revive you with some health. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I got through this one section very easily, even though I was dying somewhat often, mainly because of my stupidity. Uh, but I find the actual combat is a little easier than Souls. So that makes it nicer even. I love Souls and still. I love the Souls combat. I'm completely okay with the difficulty. Making it a little easier has me so much more involved. Uh, the story is very interesting so far. Because the whole idea is like people... This thing happened to this city, and like everyone basically is trapped in the city. Uh, and some of these people require blood to kind of satiate their thirst because they're not quite turned into the what they call the lost. And so this blood kind of saves them from turning. And essentially, you are a revenant who goes around hunting lost, basically, and finding blood for people. It's just a super fun game. I'm not that far into it yet, yeah. but I am loving my time with it. I want to get back into some, because uh, it's a Bandai Namco game, right? Yes, it is. I kind of miss playing some of those like kind of Bandai Namco anime e games. I've really actually, I picked up um, Tales of Berseria for like Ooh, $3 nice. like a Ooh, couple months ago. That's a good choice. I think it's the best Tales game. That's what I've heard. So, um I, I kind of want to get back into some of those games. They they really make some some pretty Bandai good Bandai Namco titles. also has the best sports game ever coming out later this month. Captain Tsubasa. The uh, anime soccer game. Uh, oh. It. You need to see this trailer because you'll watch it <laughs> like, oh, it's thief. And then just halfway through that sentence, you'll see how incredibly anime it is to the point where you'll go to make a kick and then it'll turn to a cutscene of like the ball essentially being on fire and like oh, you God. Doing this crazy kick. And I'm like, yes, awesome. that sounds really cool. Um, no, I, I, I've been loving Bandai Namco games lately. Code Vein is so good. I'm I picked it up recently on sale and I am having a blast with it. What's that? Uh, the new one that was shown at that Xbox event a few Elden months Ring? ago. Yeah, no, Wait. not Elden Ring. Oh, not oh, Ring. um, um, Scarlet Nexus. Which, yeah, Scarlet uh, Nexus. That looks really good. The one of the lead designers or lead scenario designer, something, like, something mm. like that. One of them is like the lead that thing from Code Vein. Oh, nice. Um, and nice. actually, people were like, so is this a sequel to Code Vein or anything? And he's like, <laughs> no, it's a completely separate thing. Stop asking. Huh. Yeah, I'm super yeah, interested cool. in that one, too. Cool. Um, I haven't really been playing a whole lot, so I'm not going to stay long on this. But I did start up Horizon again. Been uh, trying to get through that. And nice. I'm only probably about three hours in, but I'm like thoroughly enjoying it this time. By comparison to when I last played, so reminds me, I need to go to a comic shop. The first issue of the Horizon comic came out yesterday. Oh, nice! I didn't know they were doing that. That's cool. Yeah, I have no idea what it's about, but I'm curious. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Glad to get back into that game. And I did play a bit of uh, Carrion, Carrion, yeah, uh, which is really really fun. Highly recommend it. It's free on Game Pass, but it's like a they call it a reverse horror game where basically you are the monster and you're just going through like destroying people. Yeah, but isn't and, that uh, like you're caged or something and basically you're getting out? Yeah, you're like in a test tube thing and you like escape and like kill all your like little scientist guys that are like watching you and like tear them to shreds and, and eat them. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> did, did you see they changed the logo on the switch? Yes, I did see that. And uh, if you have not seen the carry on switch logo, you should really look it up. So, yeah, I love it. But. Seeing as we're 53 minutes into this podcast, it's probably more like 50 for those listening. But uh, let's go on and get into some news quick before we wrap it up here. Um, Elijah, it's time. Let's talk about this Avengers game. So. (sighs) Yeah, that about sums it up. (laughs) Let's start with the story first, then we'll get into the question. So this is from... Eurogamer from Matt Wales. I don't know how to read their website yet. There's good news for Spider-Man fans hoping to see their favorite web-slinger in Crystal Dynamics' upcoming Avengers game. Or rather, good news for some Spider-Man fans, at least. He'll be joining the post-launch hero lineup for free next year, but as a PlayStation exclusive. Confirmation of Spider-Man's arrival comes via the PlayStation blog, where Crystal Dynamics says it's hard at work making him just as great on the sticks as he is on the page. The developer explained his ultimate goal is to make the transition between Spider-Man's acrobatic combat and sticky-fingered environmental movement as seamless as possible. When he's arching through the air on his web line, we want you to feel graceful and light and be able to utilize a variety of web configurations and gadgets to enhance your traversal, it says. Crystal Dynamics notes it will be celebrating Spider-Man's arrival in the PlayStation versions of Marvel Avengers next year with a special in-game event featuring unique challenges. Now, updated... Yeah. In another burst of news that sure affects Xbox and PC players, Sony has shared details of yet more of Marvel's Avengers PlayStation exclusives, including special in-game events, rewards, and 30-day early access to certain cosmetics for all heroes. Following yesterday's news that Spider-Man will be... We just talked about that. Square Enix has revealed that PlayStation owners will also get 30-day exclusive access to a legendary outfit, legendary emote, epic takedown, and nameplate for every new hero upon their release. This includes all six launch day heroes. Additionally, as outlined in a new blog post, including introducing the game's community challenges, essentially events that require players to work together on a large scale to accomplish a goal and earn rewards, developer Crystal Dynamics has confirmed it's prepping a series of community challenges that will only be available to PlayStation players. Now, to add to this... The, let me see what it says here. Uh, Head Scott Amos has commented Mm -hmm. on the controversy surrounding Spider-Man being exclusive. And he says, so the beauty of Spider-Man and what Spider-Man represents as a character in this world is, again, it comes back to the relationship with PlayStation and Marvel. We happen to be ones who can execute and deliver when it comes down to choices of where and what Spider-Man can be. That's a relationship question that you know PlayStation absolutely has the rights to. Yeah, that, as you guys know, with Sony's movie rights ownership there, and Marvel with Sony saying, hey, this is something we can do. This is something we can do on this platform. And as creators, we have the opportunity that we can make something unique and fun and awesome. Now, 
I've seen a lot going around lately of two sides to this argument. Mm-hmm. One of them being, this is very anti-consumer. Yes. The other one being, it's not so much that's anti-consumer, but pro-PlayStation. Um, I want to hear your guys' take on this. Basically, I'll, I'll just start off with my quick one. And I have a fun story I found out about today with Square Enix's uh, pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is more pro-PlayStation than anti-consumer. With the reason being, first off, do we know who has the video game rights to Spider-Man? No, but it's not Sony. I didn't That's think so. That's what I know. I didn't think so. Um, the other I'm... thing... I Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's just straight up Marvel, that's, if I'm not that's mistaken. That's what I was thinking, I don't, too. Yeah. Um, but the way I look at it, if Sony paid for them to make Spider-Man in the game, then I have I'm sorry, less I just, of a problem I, with that. I just looked it up. Sony does own the rights, video game rights to Spider-Man. Are you sure? Why well, that, that That is according to Google. Who owns okay. the video game rights to Spider-Man? Sony. Many assume based on the movies and 2018's Marvel Spider-Man game, which released exclusively on PlayStation 4, that it's Sony who owns the rights to the character. I mean, but that's, that's many assume. Um, and then the, the well, the, here the the other. This is from Marvel's Avengers Spider-Man 2021 DLC. Sony owns all the rights to Spider-Man, which explains why the games are PlayStation exclusives. Why the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of the character is a part of continu- continuous contentious agreement between Disney and Sony and why this latest collaboration will also remain exclusive to all Sony consoles. Okay. Inverse.com. That, that kind of answers another question I had. So, because I wonder if that's part of the whole deal when Sony was going to get the rights back from Disney for the movies. And then they made that deal. I wonder if that's how, uh, spider-man game came about to be because sony got the rights to the spider-man game wait i just realized something though i i don't i hmm. i don't know that that's accurate because spider-man is in ultimate alliance 3 on yes. switch when was that uh, originally being made like start being made could that have uh, been before the agreement that's true that's possible. I mean, it just came out last year, though. I, I'm not really sure when it started. Yeah, but yeah I have no that's, idea that's either. A valid point. I'm curious, too. Um, uh, Ganks, Ganks.tv did an in-depth article where they said they don't believe. It seems like it's, it's, it hasn't been confirmed. Yeah. But according to Google. Again, Go- it's, it's, the Google it's, thing it says, it said, we believe or we assume. Well, no, well that, that was that was when, when you expanded upon it. The first thing that comes up on Google is from inverse.com and it says Sony owns all the rights to Spider-Man, which is about this particular incident. I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. I'm not an expert on this field. I'm just I just tried to yeah, look it up. I think it's from what I'm can tell there's not really a clear answer because there's this article from Newsweek that just came out yesterday that says they do not own the rights. So I think it, it's just kind of I don't know that anyone really knows to be honest. <laughs> Anyway, but, that's off topic. But. What I will say, what I will say is, there may they may not own the rights, but Sony might have a contract. Yes, yeah, with Spider Man. Um, Agreed. Now, here, here's one thing I was thinking. I, the whole thing right now is it's very anti-consumer, and with the whole 
PlayStation 4 controllers won't work for PlayStation 5 games, but all, all Xbox One controllers will and all that. I want you to think about what the contract is between Xbox and games that come to Xbox later. In order for a game to later come to Xbox, and this is confirmed, I, I heard it a while ago. I can't remember where and everything, but it was in podcasts and that. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Platinum Games, Wonderful 101. Like, this was when they explained mm. why it won't be coming to mm-hmm. Xbox. If a game doesn't come to Xbox right away, but comes later, they need to add exclusive content for the Xbox version. That's the only way it's allowed to be on an Xbox platform. That's why they aren't bringing Wonderful 101 to Xbox. Yeah. So, just think about that. In, like, anything that's been on something else needs exclusive content for Xbox versions in order to come to that console. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just toss my take into this real quick. First off, I, I honestly swear to God, I couldn't care less about this Avengers game. I, 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 I will not be buying it. I don't care about playing it at all. I think it looks terrible. But here's what I'll say. This is just business, dude. Like, uh, yes. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like so, so Sony is trying to get people to any incentive console. they can to sell their console. And yeah. I can't blame them for that. Also... I don't think that 90% of the people who are, are, are complaining about this are actually going to buy the game because I've seen nothing but bad comments and press about this game. I haven't seen anyone excited about it. But yet when this whole thing erupted, everyone was uh, seemingly at every corner of the internet being like, this is such bad business practice. This is terrible. I'm not paying. I'm not buying this. I'm not paying the same amount of money for less content. And I'm like, okay, don't buy it. But if Spider-Man is such an important property to you, buy a PS5. I mean that yep. that that's just how I view it, man. Like, cause I, I on God, I would not care if there was some crossover fighting game that Xbox only got Master Chief or they only got you know some random Xbox character. Spider Man at this point is a PlayStation character. The, the Spider Man PS4 game is an exclusive, right? Xbox yep. car- ga- gamers cannot play the Spider Man PS4 game. He's not an Xbox. Uh, property and i just think that like if you care that much about spider-man if he's that important to you buy a playstation here's what i'll say i think as a business practice is it crazy no i don't think so i mean i feel like this is just more of the norm yeah um honestly well do i think it's a little anti-consumer yeah i'd say maybe a little bit because you're essentially taking Imagine like a class, a full on class in World of Warcraft or something. And or I guess a, a better example is Final Fantasy. Imagine a new class in Final Fantasy 14 only being on PS4 or PS3 or whatever it is and not on PC on the PC version of the game. Yeah. I think that would be a little crazy. Um, do I think they're crazy for doing this like money wise? No, not at all. I mean, like I said, I just think that's part of the game at this point. But I do as somebody who doesn't care about this game whatsoever, I do think it's a little weird to kind of take a full on character and make him exclusive. But I mean, we've seen it before. Um, you know, now ultimate Alliance, the old games, they had exclusive characters on each system. Now here's um, the fun thing I heard on today's kind of funny yeah. games daily. Someone in wrote out, someone wrote in about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Xbox One version, like the, the big collector's edition on pre-order. Yeah. And Square Enix uh, took the money for pre-orders on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday announced Spider-Man only on PS4. Okay, now that is a problem. Um, And then... I don't... 
I don't on know Tuesday and then on Tuesday announced all the uh, PlayStation exclusive DLC. I and on Wednesday, all the previews dropped. I don't know that those things correlate, honestly, because uh, I, as far as I know, Square Enix takes the money for pre-orders beforehand anyway. They I, do. I don't, I don't know that they would be like, all right, we're going to we're going to take these people's money before this announcement drops. Yeah. It, I it don't just, know that. Those it, I, I, I just feel like it just happened to be like a couple days before they like had all these press announcements. Yeah. And I really it's don't. I, I mean, I, I agree with you, Seth. I don't think they like did it on purpose, but they probably should have thought about that a little more before. Um, I guess this not that they decided to take out money, but I guess whenever they decided to, to do this announcement. But no, I like I said, I. I don't really care about this game, so it doesn't affect me. But in a, in a perfect world, should Spider-Man be on every version of this game? I think so. Yeah, but I agree. As that said before, um, you know, that's just one character. We literally got a full on Spider-Man game, the best Spider-Man game ever made. One of the best games this generation exclusive on on PS4 and nobody was complaining then. So um, I know it's a little different. I know Sony owns Insomniac, but um still for me it's like i think it's really not like a end of the world situation yeah, i agree I, I really don't get why people are so up in arms like, i think i think this is just honestly i think I, I, if this came out three years ago i don't think anyone would bat an eye it's just one of those things we've got two consoles coming out yeah the, the console wars are starting up it. again and people are looking for any fuel to the fire they can get you know and it, we're just we go through this cycle every few years when the yep. new generation comes out. I'm I'm sick of it. I really don't care. And that's why I'm saying like, if Spider Man's that important to you, go buy a PlayStation. Yep. And if you have that much allegiance to Xbox, that like you refuse to buy a PlayStation, you partake in these console wars. It's wrong. Like 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 you're yeah. just you're immature and you're wrong, dude. I just don't care anymore, man. Like I really truly don't care if like. If you're buying Xbox based on some console allegiance, like like, and, and, and fanboyism, it's time to grow up, dude. I just don't care about this 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 nonsense anymore. You know, like I, if Xbox had games that I wanted to play, I would buy an Xbox. Or, or like if, if this was a situation, I would just buy an Xbox. I don't care instead of a PlayStation. I'm not going to. Because PlayStation has the games I want and the characters mm-hmm. I want, but like, dude, like, 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 seriously, all you have to do is put your money elsewhere, and you can get whatever you're complaining about. This is all up to personal choice to the person. Like, if you want to play Halo, and you also want like Spider-Man and Marvel's Avengers, I'm sorry, that sucks. Yeah, but like. At the same time, like life just isn't fair. Like the world doesn't cater to you, and people just need to understand well, that, you know. And and it's just like, yeah, it sucks. I get that it sucks, but you can't expect businesses and companies to just be like, you know what, man, these people, you, they, they're right. Like these people complaining about Spider Man, they're right. We're who cares about selling consoles, man? Like let's let's just let's just do what's right to the person. It's never gonna happen. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, at the end of the day, too, I mean, this is Square Enix we're talking about. Yeah. Like, this is not, like, some just, oh, yeah, like, heavenly company. This is freaking Square Enix. They've, like, done so much crap. I will, like, say, this is... I will say Square Enix did give me one of my favorite pictures ever, which uh, has 
the girl and the dog from Full Metal Alchemist, and the dog says Enix, and the girl <laughs> says Squaresoft. <laughs> Dude, this is oh, this is the company that 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 seriously locked the the real ending of Final Fantasy Thirteen Two behind a paywall of DLC. Yeah. They did that. The ending of Final Fantasy Thirteen Two makes no sense unless you buy the DLC. Capcom did it too. Yeah, like. These companies are not out to make you happy. Like, they just want money. I they mean, that's just what... want your money. And, yeah. and, and, you know, if Sony wants to contract Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics to put exclusive content off their system, they can do that. I don't think that Spider-Man would be coming to Marvel's Avengers at all if Sony didn't strike this deal. So really, yeah. all, this, all this does is say, okay, well, PlayStation players get a little extra. But you know what? If that wasn't happening... Nothing changes for Xbox players because they were never going to get Spider-Man to begin with. Spider-Man was never going to come to Microsoft. It wasn't going to happen. Now, here's the other thing is I have a feeling people are going to be upset with Spider-Man in the game anyhow, because you have Spider-Man in this game right next to Marvel Spider-Man who controlled very, very good. (laughs) And people love Spider-Man, love the Spider-Man game. And something tells me he's not going to control like that in Marvel's Avengers, and people are going to be upset. Hey, uh, here's a here here's like a like a 2020 breaking news. People are going to be upset with this game anyway because it looks True. like trash. Well, <laughs> like, that's what I that's what I wanted to move into, and we can yes, even bring in Chris's question exactly. here. But like the fact that look, do I think this is right personally? No. Do I think it's like a groundbreaking end of world situation? Like I mentioned before, no. What I do think is crazy is the fact that literally the entire planet has been trashing this game since it was announced. And then this comes out and the whole world is up in arms. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying like, earlier. This doesn't it's make absurd. sense. It's absurd. Yeah. And, and that's just like uh, one of our questions coming from Chris Chamberlain. Did any of you watch or read any of the Avengers previews that came out today? What do you, did you think and did it change any of your feelings on the game? I'm very cautiously optimistic. I'm going to wait for reviews before buying at least. No, man, I didn't I didn't read or watch the reviews because at this point, like I've seen so much of the game and I've gave I've given it all the chances it, it could possibly have to impress me. Basically, and, I, I read a couple uh, before we started and mm-hmm. basically what I got out of it was it's fine, but there are definitely problems. So I skimmed through probably about three or four previews and the ones that I read were decent um the biggest complaints i could tell were that it was extraordinarily repetitive yep. which i had a feeling would be the case uh based off the trailers and then the one preview i don't remember which which website it was on but they basically said that the game feels like it's tearing back and forth between a destiny hero shooter you know mmo kind of feeling thing uh grindy with gear and all this stuff with a super story driven like last of us or whatever type game it might be mm-hmm. and it doesn't get either one right because it's going back and forth between these two that just don't work. and there's another game i was super excited for that had that problem with is it going to be this type of game or this type of game and it delivered on neither and that was we happy few and if yep. there's another we happy few i'm gonna be upset and here's the yeah. other thing with how this game is panning out from previews and how it's okay, Spider-Man is coming out in 2021. Who all is going to still be playing it in 2021 <laughs> that are upset and everything? Yeah, It's not going to happen, man. This game's going to come out. It's going to crash and burn. 
we've all been following this industry long enough to know when this type of thing is going to happen. You get that gut feeling. I've had that gut feeling since this game was announced. Or not really. It was announced a really long time ago. But since it was shown off, it just looks bad. Well, uh, you, you could not convince me. to like, uh, like, There's just no way you can convince me to buy this game day one. It's just not going to happen. You know, like... Like, like I said, I didn't read the previews today because I was completely out the second I saw the gameplay. When they showed that that extended gameplay trailer, or whatever it was, I was like, "Nah, no way. This isn't. This is not for me. Now, I don't care." Wh- which one are you talking about? The extended gameplay trailer. The one where they were on the street on the bridge. I think. I think. They oh, the one from Man. like uh, last year. Yeah. Okay. I will say I watched not this newest roundtable, but the one before that. A lot of the like gameplay elements and such has improved. Like yeah. when when we watched that original gameplay, I'm like, this looks terrible. But watching that newest roundtable, I'm like, huh, okay, it has my attention. Well, and based off the previews that I read, everyone said the gameplay was actually really, really good. Yeah. Um, so right, so I'm I'm watching I'm watching the gameplay trailer right now, and dude, it's just it doesn't like like this is this is a multiplayer yeah. game, right? Like it's a co-op multiplayer yeah. game, right? Yeah. It does. It, it nothing I'm seeing is I'm watching the Thor run around. It does not. Nothing about this impresses me. You know, like I, I just don't think this was the direction they should have gone. Everyone wants to do these games as service games, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Like you, not everything can win, and I just don't think Marvel's Avengers was. First off, I think people have like a massive superhero fatigue. I'm completely over. The I, yeah, right I am now. too. Also, like I just think that like this was not the genre for this game. No. Make it like 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 if you made this like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance type game and you made it you know in this style, I might be into it because the reason I don't play Marvel Ultimate Alliance is because the isometric view I hate it. But th- I mean like like there's nothing that looks fun to play about this game. It just it looks it looks repetitive and it looks boring. And I'm watching Thor fly around and smack stuff with his hammer. I mean, Here's like, what I'll say. I mean, I'm curious about it, but I think the thing that I'm noticing is this feels almost identical to Anthem's launch. I was going to say that. Nah, and, Anthem was more fun, that I'm sure of. And, well, just like the atmosphere around this game. I mean, I felt yeah. like not really anyone... I mean, maybe I'm misremembering this, but I feel like not really anyone was excited for Anthem. Like, it was coming out, and it just came out, and it was gone. And I feel like we're just coming up on that same thing with this game, which I mean, you can tell that's a problem when the movie with the highest um, revenue of all time is freaking end game. Uh, what I, I mean, I would argue Avengers the last 10 years is probably the biggest IP on the planet and this game's coming Fair, out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just hearing no one talk about it. So I think, uh, you know, the fact that that's a that's a thing, this game's coming out next month. Like, I just can't believe that. God, I mean, so here, here's here's another month. problem I have with the game, though, too, is that like we've got Captain America, Thor, Bruce Banner, Black Widow, Iron Man and uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah. And we have Spider-Man now. Hawkeye, too. Is Hawkeye in the game? Yes. I don't see. I don't. I don't see his. He's coming as DLC. Okay, yeah. he's coming like, as DLC. I, I, he's like day one DLC or something like that. And Miss Marvel is supposed to be like one, like like pretty much like the main character of the game, from what I understand. Like she's, she's yes. like, a, like a central. Okay. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Miss Marvel is not an interesting character. Like she's got the same abilities as Bruce Banner, or not Bruce Banner. Um. 
Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. I can't remember his his, his alter ego name. She's yeah, not an interesting character. She's not she, like I don't care, man. Where's all like the like give me Is other characters. Give me give me you know, if you if you're you've been trying to push him so hard the last ten years, give me Falcon. Give me you know, the Fantastic Four. Give me anything man i just like like these are the most boring basic characters the marvel universe has to offer i think they went with them because these are the ones that people know but that being said like especially for what i feel of it i don't care about these characters anymore i've seen them so much lately legitimately the character i want to play as the most is hawkeye (laughs) yeah i mean what about like that's fine though because if I want to play this game, no one else is going to want to play as Hawkeye. So at least now I can. I always can. Use <laughs> like like the Human Torch would be cool. I mean, I mean even somebody like the Winter Soldier, like yeah, Winter yes, Soldier would be cool. Please. I mean, dude, it's just it's it's not there for me, dude. It's just not there. Uh, I'm I'm like genuinely curious what happens when this game comes out. Um, I really, I mean, I just think it's going to be another anthem. Like, I, I don't think this game is going to take off. Will it be good? I don't know. Maybe. But I don't think it's going to yeah, do what it's aiming to do. What I had read is the game is good, but it's just very, re- very repetitive. Like, what about yeah. Captain Marvel? You know? Yeah, absolutely. They spent so much time pushing Captain Marvel the last, you know, few years. And I hate Captain Marvel as a character, but, like, people seem to love her. Why not? Why yep. didn't you put her in the game? She's way more interesting than Miss Marvel. Kamala Khan is not like, an interesting character. Somebody like Nova... Yeah, Nova's or awesome. Like Moon Knight. I, I, I mean, people talk about these characters and like they don't get any representation. And I mean, so. sure, they might be coming, but the problem is they're not here yet, and they're trying to sell us the game. Yeah. yeah. Black oh, dude, Panther, Scar- Scarlet Witch. Give me Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. Oh, yeah. yeah. Scarlet I mean, Witch, Quicksilver, Black Panther, Black Panther, any of them. Yeah, dude. Well, that's my thing here. And at the end of the day, and we can probably move on. I feel like we're getting kind of repetitive here. But I feel like, like Elijah said earlier, I feel like they're they're trying to replicate the films. They're, and like, that's not what they should have done. The no. problem is they're trying to replicate the films, but at the same time saying, this is a completely different universe. We're, we're, we are our own thing. But here yeah. are the characters that you have in the films. In the exact same costumes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yep. no, I'm good on the Avengers, man. I'm out. I I I will be following it closely because I'm very curious. Yeah, me too. But at no point am I going to even remotely think of, oh, maybe I'll pre-order this game. No, no, that's not going to happen. It doesn't. I might have... get it if it's ever twenty bucks, fifteen, maybe. But that's about it for me. It doesn't have gameplay, characters, or a story that appeals to me. And for that reason, yeah. I'm out. I mean, I don't know enough about the story. So. <laughs> I'm kind of curious about the story. I'm not going to lie, but. Yeah. Speaking of games that are interesting to me. Um, this week, Microsoft came out and announced that Halo Infinite's multiplayer portion is going to be free to play. Bad move, dude. I think that's genius. I think it's, such a, I mean, it's, it's, it's super like pro consumer, but I think it's a bad move. Tell us why, Seth. Yeah. Why do you think it's a bad move? For the same reason, I think making Call of Duty completely free to play is a terrible move. I mean, dude, here's the thing. 
the Halo campaigns have not been good for a while. And I think one of the biggest reasons people were buying these games was to see what happened next. I don't think people care that much anymore. And I think making their multiplayer completely free to play is going to hurt sales in a massive way. It's great for the consumer. I think it's like, like it's awesome. You can pick up an Xbox and, and, uh, and play Halo multiplayer for free. That, that's, that's great for the people. But for Microsoft, I think this was a terrible decision. I don't think so. Because I guarantee you, it's going to have a battle pass. Yeah, and that's what the leak, before they confirmed this, that's what the leak was suggesting. Did, uh, did, did you see how much money Call of Duty made just based on battle passes and microtransactions in the past mm-hmm. like two months? Mm-hmm. $1.5 billion. Good God. That's a lot of money. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. None of that say. is from buying the game. That's what I was going to say is, um, you know, you look at Fortnite, you look at Warzone, Apex. I mean, they're all extraordinarily su- successful. And yeah, they're all free to play, but which is crazy to me because like I've never purchased anything like I, I will never purchase like aesthetic stuff or battle passes like that's just not who I am. I don't play enough multiplayer games, but for the people that do. Those three games specifically make astronomical amounts of money just well, off of those. Here's the other thing, though, I think we need to take into consideration is that yeah. Halo is not the king of games like it used to be, right? Yeah. Like, True. True. I, I don't know anybody that's playing Halo 5 multiplayer these days. I, I don't know that many people who will probably switch from playing Call of Duty back to Halo or Apex back to Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I don't know that Halo multiplayer, like, like like Halo multiplayer, is really going to have to have a place. And we just talked about this with George the other day. How many battle passes can you possibly have? Yep. You yep. know, I, I I just do I I just don't see this being uh, a good move business wise for Microsoft. Like I said, I think it's great for the consumer. It's awesome for people, um, and it's awesome for Xbox players. I don't think that you're going to see the same type of numbers from uh, Halo battle pass as you will from like a Call of Duty. Fortnite or Apex Battle Pass. I don't see it happening, man. I think that like Halo had a chance to be this consistent franchise back in the day. And everyone played Halo multiplayer. Everyone played Halo 3 multiplayer. Like that was a staple of mm-hmm. our generation's gaming childhood. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it faded away. And it faded away because of bad, you know, you, you could argue bad business decisions with the halo franchise from microsoft or maybe repetitiveness but that that's kind of a hard argument to make when call of duty is the same exact game every year but i don't know man i i don't think that halo is going to come out and light the world on fire like it did in 2003 or whatever it was or 2006 it's it, yeah. it, it's 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 hard for me to believe that i hope i'm wrong i mean dude some of the best memories i've ever had were on halo multiplayer oh god yeah same but i just don't I, like like Call of Duty is so big and people are so into Apex and Fortnite. Everyone has their game of choice right now, like and they're all paying for ba- they're all, they're all paying for battle passes. I I, I don't know that yeah. I, I don't know that Halo is going to come out and people are going to be like, "Yo, screw Call of Duty, I'm coming for Halo." Because uh, my my opinion on that is because it didn't happen with Halo Four or Five. Yeah. Yeah. So. I what I will say is that I get what you're saying and I think you could be right but I will say I mean Apex came out of nowhere and um True. I don't think anyone was really expecting it Titanfall 2 did not sell well Now at the same time and, uh Apex was only the third real big battle like Warzone wasn't out yet Yeah right So now well, 
Halo has to compete with Warzone and Fortnite and Apex. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I was going to say, too, as far as Call of Duty, I mean, Infinite Warfare and then what was it? World War Two and then Black Ops 4 came out. And I feel like those just they no one really played those games. No, um, in my circle, at least. Yeah. And I feel like the I mean, maybe not to the extent of Halo, but I would argue that Call of Duty's you know, quality dropped too, just like Halo did for four and five. But Elijah is right. I mean, it's it's going to have to compete with, you know, three big uh, kind of, you know, not that Halo is necessarily going to be Battle Royale only, which I don't think it will be. It'll definitely still have Deathmatch and King of the Hill and whatever it is. And, and I will um, say um, Call of Duty for this one did step up its quality. Uh, yeah. For I I played through the campaign Modern Warfare. Yeah. I played some of the multiplayer. I haven't played Warzone yet, but I've watched a lot of it, and yeah. it seems like a very well made battle royale. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, I it's, hear it's everyone talk well so good about it. I've only played a few matches, but I mean, it, it's really really well made, and the fact that these games, you know, Apex, for, I would you know, even though I don't like Fortnite, it is well made, yeah. and um. So is Warzone. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it's it's an interesting move. Um, I think it's more in the realm of what Microsoft has been doing with something like Game Pass. I mean, they're really focusing on the consumer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've only been doing it for a few years now, but I'm curious to see if this is like something that they can keep doing as far as longevity because, you know, you're paying $10, $15 a month for Game Pass and never buying a game again. Like, how does that work out for I them financially i really can't wrap my mind about how my i can't wrap my mind around how it's profitable it, yeah like, i like, can't either I, I i really don't get it man when you go into game pass the selection of games is so crazy and we're yeah. getting certain games day one like i think wasn't yeah. gears day one um on oh, all, yeah all of their first party games yeah are day one. and like that uh xbox conference that they just showed every single game on there will be playable day one on game pass man i just yeah. don't get it man like like, like the only thing I can I can imagine is that they're trying to pull people in, and then up the price slowly, sort of like Netflix. It's but possible. I, I I don't it's working. I can't imagine seeing how this is profitable. I mean, it's it is working. I have a Game Pass subscription just because I I have a, a PC now, and it was like yeah. mm-hmm. the easiest way to get the Master Chief Collection. Yeah, but, I, I have Game Pass Ultimate until 2022, and I'm going to keep doing it. I just don't get how it's profitable at Can't all. Can't we play I, Flight it, Simulator in two weeks? Doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. But I mean, like I said, is Halo Infinite coming out for Series X day one? Do they confirm that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, like that's great. Yeah. You, that you can you can buy an Xbox and then you can just log on and you have something to play day one. That's great. Like I, I love that for the consumer. I just don't see how it's a good move for Microsoft. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. Then again, we also don't know the internals of what's going on, the numbers. We don't know any of that. There's got to be something. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I do I understand it? No, but does it seem to be working? Yeah. Um, Grounded, that new game from Obsidian, the the kind of survival yeah. early access game. I saw it got like a million players within like the first two days, which yep. is crazy for that kind of game. Like it's a small little game. On in um, early access. Yeah. Yeah. Early yeah. access. I hadn't even really heard anyone talking about it. And Game Pass really pushed it. So. Um, same same thing with carry on carry on seen so many people playing that game through game pass that you know maybe otherwise would have not so there's a game coming out i'm gonna grab it on playstation it comes out in two weeks called uh west of dead 
I played mm-hmm. it on Game Pass a little bit. I'm like, this is super good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how it works, but I, you know, it, it is so pro-consumer. And again, like I said, I, I really do feel like this Halo Infinite stuff is the same way. What I will say is, as somebody who's really played a lot of, of the past Halo multiplayer kind of segments of those titles... I wonder how this is going to compare like as far as like the leveling system or stuff like that. Like yeah. are people going to be expecting that old kind of Halo progression or is this more, you know, how Fortnite works or Apex or yeah. whatever it may be. That's what I'm curious about. But All right, guys. Um, I think that about uh, wraps it up. Actually, we have one more question. Yeah, we have a question from Pedro here. Our last question of the night. He says, Seth. And I'm going to include comma Austin. Have you changed your tune on Tales of Zillia 2 yet? No, the game's garbage. <laughs> Agreed. The it's game sucks. So bad. The game's terrible, man. Like I hated that game. <laughs> it's so bad. I it's the only game on PS3 I actually used a cheat for. And I used <laughs> I used one of the save editors on PS3 that mm-hmm. you can buy like on Amazon to give myself unlimited money so I could play the game like it should be played. That game is so bad. It's so well, the bad. Thing- if I remember right, and the reason why and I haven't played this game since it came out, so I, I honestly don't know. But the reason I remember hating it was because it like forced you to do side quests to go through the main story. Yeah, it, like so for a normal RPG, you do side quests to level up, so yep. you can stock money, so you can buy a ton of potions and like stuff like that, and you get a reward from it. But the thing with Tales of Zillia 2 is it forces you to do side quests you can move in the story because you have a massive debt that's thrust upon oh, you at the beginning of the God. game. And to move forward in the game, you have to pay off this debt, which includes you dropping all of your money yep. into the, the the debt system. And then in order to actually like stockpile money like you should and level up in the game, you have to just grind enemies. And it sucks. That game that, sucks, dude. It sucks. Sucks. Yeah. Well, Ma- I was going to say the sucks. worst part is is Zillia 1 is phenomenal. Oh my god, it's so good. Like one of my favorite games last gen. Yeah. And then so this good. came out garbage. I have the collector's Absolute edition. Garbage. I don't even know where it is. Yep. I have the giant the giant statue edition. And I have no idea where it is. It's on my dad's somewhere probably. Sucks. <laughs> stored away. It's just it it, it, it that yeah. game sucks on every level, man. Like like it, there hasn't been a more disappointing game other than Kingdom Hearts 3. Which I will never I'd get agree over. With that, I think I will never get over. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. But speaking of disappointments, thanks for listening to our show. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, read Richards. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Thanks. Oh, appreciate that. Wow. That was really delayed, Elijah. But thank you. <laughs> I started to look it up, and then got completely sidetracked by our discussion. And then just kind of looked at my phone because I'm like, what time is it? Oh, right. Read Richards. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were like, Reed Richards has a question for us. Don't miss that one. And I was like, who? But yeah, Mr. anyway. Fantastic. Reed Richards. Stretchy man. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening to Frameskip. As always, if you're listening, you probably know this, but we're available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and as of, I think, three weeks ago, these shows have also been going up on our YouTube channel. So they're also on there. Still just audio, but they're just another way to listen to the show so um if you're on a platform that allows you to leave a review please do so as it really does help out the show especially on apple podcasts i know it kind of promotes um your show the more reviews you have so please uh get a review out there even if you don't listen on apple podcasts but you just listen to the show go on your itunes log in 
Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to our podcast. Leave a review. Please do it. Um, if you want to send us questions, as always, you can do that every single week. And we'll read them off here as long as they're applicable to something we're talking about and not ridiculous. Um, email us at frameskippodcast at gmail.com. You can send those qu- send those questions in also on our social media pages, frameskippod on Twitter and facebook.com slash frameskippod. You can follow us on Twitter at Seth S. Taylor is Seth. Elijah is at Loco Lizard Man, and I am at Austin J. Eller. And then Coach deleted his Twitter, so don't try to find him. Or do. You won't find him, but have fun. Yeah, you won't find him. But you can try. But you will fail. (laughs) But that about does it for this week, guys. So thanks for listening. And uh, I don't think we're going to have an episode next week. I think there's too many of us that are going to be gone. So we'll see you in two weeks. But as always, keep on listening to the show and not gaming because that's a copyright infringement from our previous show. (laughs) Bye. Bye.